so part of that 12 <laughs> steps is just live. You have to live in the most honest space you've ever been in and surround yourself with people that make you feel comfortable doing that. And that'll change everything. Well, and let's get into step number two, uh, do number two. And that's how H O W, which is honesty, open-minded and willing honesty. I could be honest with other people mm-hmm. a lot, but I can never be honest with myself. I yep. could, I, I've been lying to other people and myself mainly for so long. I didn't know what the truth was. I had no idea who my authentic self was. For survival mode at that point. Yep. And everything you're doing is, is your brain is designed to survive. And when if you have to lie, God, that's easy just to survive. Your brain is a survival and an efficiency model. So it's going to survive in the easiest way possible. And when just flat out lying about everything seems pretty easy to you, that's what you end up doing. And it gets you what you want. Yeah. Most of the time. Red. Ow, now, brown cow. (laughs) In stereo. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to yet another amazing show that could possibly change your whole life and your whole perception. Correct. Recovery. But more in my favorite topic. More in-depth version of recovery. For me, the first year is where I saw a lot of, like, when I walked into the first meeting, they told me to get a suit, the typical thing, because you're either going to get buried in it or you're going to go to a lot of funerals. Right, right. And, uh... I thought it was a joke, right? and it wasn't. I think my first year in recovery, I lost nine people just in the recovery community, and that was just the people that I happened to know in a small niche of probably 60 to 70 people that we would like go throughout the meetings together regularly. Right, and so when I found, at 33, I found my first little go in, in recovery, it was wonderful. Like, holy crap, this is what people do? You know, right. this was amazing, yeah. you know? Let's just talk about the first year. Yeah. So in the in that because you just there's so much confusion going on in your body at that moment. Your nerves are waking up. You're starting to feel things again. There's a lot of things going on, and so playing with things for me, the biggest one was dating. <laughs> I saw more failure with dating than anything else, and had Ever. my first scare um, because I made the mistake, and that's why I firmly believe in it because the the rush of emotions that is going on when you don't even know how to handle your own life. And now you have someone else that you have to trust, believe in, you have feelings for, now they can hurt you. All these things are going on and then you're addicted to the sex side of things. And like, there's so many variables in that whole clump of chaos. Toxic. Like it really is. Toxicity. And I was way too broke and I hate using that word, but I was way too out of control still. Like I didn't know what was going on. I was still unmanageable. I didn't know how to handle things. And I needed to process that. So for me, the biggest one was dating. Absolutely, don't date you. <laughs> you, you. All right. So I have yet to see where it says this in our in our book, mm-hmm. and but um, it is highly recommended that you don't date for a year at least, right? And some sponsors will tell you two years. Yep. But no one knows that this works because no one's ever did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could possibly work just fine, but no one's ever did it. Ever in love the history is of mankind, a powerful emotion. Uh, well, here's the, and, and you don't even know if you're in love, if you're in lust, or you're just codependent. Like, there's so many things that are wrong with this recipe. Well, here's the thing: you, if you've spent any uh, significant amount of time in addiction, 
you have done things and you have got yourself in situations and you have maybe been completely traumatized. It's just a really bad environment, the addiction world for, for everyone, but you have put yourself through so much trauma in those times. And then, you, you know, we use the drugs, that's, which compounds us want, needing and wanting and feeling like we have to use more and more and more on top of the fact the addiction, the physical addictions, and, and then, you know, it's just everything gets really out of just chaos before we know it, right? There's a strict lack of balance in that whole situation. And you're in toxic relationships because yep. you don't love yourself. You have yep. no self-worth. You have all these other underlying core issues, which is the real nature of disease. It's the, the disease of addiction. The disease of addiction has zero to do with the actual drug right. or the alcohol that we're, we're consuming. It, it's, it's that underlying stuff that we're using the alcohol and the drugs to make us feel better. Yep. So the drugs are just a symptom of our actual problem. Um, and then... All of a sudden, we take drugs or alcohol out of our life, whether for whatever reason. Maybe we went to jail, court said, judge said, mom said, whoever said. We got to take drugs and alcohol out of our life. And now the only thing that we got left is the actual disease of addiction, the in, the inside stuff. Mm -hmm. the, the spiritual malady, the the mental illness, the, the self-worth problems, the not loving myself. I don't know how to love myself. I don't know how boundaries. I don't know this. Oh, oh, she smiled at me. Oh, right. Oh, right. I don't even care about anything else now. She right. smiled at me. She made me feel better. And that's really all I need is somebody to make me feel better because I feel like, like S. Right. Crap, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even find a replacement word. No, it's, 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 no, but we like, make oh, excuses but, for things. So if you're broken too, then you'll under, you feel like somebody understands you because they've I experienced just something to make similar. Me feel good, right? And so you, know? you guys can get lost in that without any judgment. Like I can't date an what do we call a normie because they're gonna see me differently. Well, what's they're gonna a normie look down gonna, on me. What's a normie gonna want to do with somebody who's got thirty days sober, living in a right. sober living, no job, no bank account, credit scores at two hundred? Right. <laughs> I mean. Right. So the yeah, only yeah. and, and that's my self worth is like I'm a I'm a bad person because I've done bad things and wait a minute she has too and she doesn't think I'm a bad person and she's you know she looks she smiled at me I'm Can't in love build a house on a rocky on a, on a <laughs> sandy foundation I'm in love yeah and that's the difference because you know if you take that stuff away from us the only thing we have left is is ultimately sex. And you know the 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 dangers of having sex in early recovery is like there's going to be feelings caught and somebody's, you know, cause we're both broken. We're both got no boundaries. We both haven't worked on the underlying core issues. That's reasons why we do things. So we're going to latch onto something that makes us feel better. And that usually 99.9% .9 of the time ends up being just a toxic mess. Let's just be honest. Sex is a drug in itself. The, 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 the physiological response to sex is the same. Yeah. Is very similar to getting high. Yeah. So, that's why we become so addicted to it. Sex is an addiction. I know people that have suffered from it. Like that, that is what they need to, to feel. And I feel like there's a large percentage of us who all of all of us who go through this in early recovery, because that's, that's the only reason it's like everything's taken away, mm -hmm. you know, and somebody made me feel good. So, but the end result of this and ultimately why we're saying this is number one really is because it's the one thing that you're going to put before you're in early recovery and you latch on to something. And that something is usually probably just as toxic as you because they haven't dealt with this, this, the underlying stuff that I spoke about. 
And the next thing you know, that person's going to start smiling at the other guy at the meeting. Yep. And that's going to break us apart. And next thing Jealousy, you know, we're going to fight yep. and it's going to go bad. And the first thing we're going to do is pick up. Yep. Because we all of a sudden latched onto that one. And now that became my higher power yep. <laughs> and that became my program. And I, I, I slacked off from going to meetings and working with my sponsor and, and doing service work and doing all the stuff that I was doing for the last 30, 60, 90 days to keep me sober. Now I'm focused on this and all this got pushed to the wayside. So now when this leaves me or breaks me or breaks up with me or cheats or steals my wallet or <laughs> steals my, my car, whatever, right? <laughs> when that's done and now, oh God. I feel so bad, yep. and in my subconscious, I know how to fix it. Yep, you know nothing like a a, a Jack and a Coke make me feel better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Huh? You know what I'm saying, Chris? Oh, oh, Ajax won't clean up. Ajax, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> woo, woo, On a whole different level of drugs. <laughs> he did different drugs than <laughs> I so did. So, what would be another don't? I, I think that they get the point in reality, like yeah. in in. Just to top it off, I, I am yet to see a successful relationship come out of a first year in recovery. I've seen one. I've seen one. I have seen one, and, okay. I, and trust me. Well, I, if I were a betting man, right? I have seen. I, I would definitely right. not play those odds. And those are bad, horrible. Because out of the odds. forty, and I don't even know the one you're speaking of. Forty to one are some pretty bad odds, in my opinion. Forty to one for you, but it's forty to ten thousand to me. That's what I mean. You know what I yeah. mean? So. Not good odds. No. Uh, number it, two. Are the odds worth dying? Let's put it that way. Because that's ultimately, guys, that's what I think about. That's what I think about recovery. And that's what I think about my life today is it's do or die. Yep. It's do this and do it like I'm supposed to. Do it like it's been keeping me going and do it, you know, or die. There's it's, no. It's just the reality of it. You know, it's it's it. Okay. Number so two. What's another don't? Number two. Number two is don't rush the program don't rush your life don't rush this like you you have spent x amount of time would it be five years or 50 years in addiction you're not going to be <laughs> in living in the solution and change your minds and and, and change your behaviors and and just 90 days it's it, you don't rush it. you're not going to change it in six months <laughs> i got into that spiritual awakening i read the whole book i was like let's go through the 12 steps i want to sponsor someone i got this whole thing figured out he was only a, <laughs> he was only 27 days sober maybe <laughs> i was thinking more like two weeks but so i get it but there's a process to it now there's also a fine line of don't drag out the process oh god yes please trust your sponsor the first thing find a sponsor if you don't have a connection with your sponsor get another sponsor if you don't have a connection first off most importantly at least for me i had i couldn't i was i came into the rooms looking for a guy who was like me yeah you know, looking for a guy who was tatted up, beat up, broken down, kind of talk like me, coming from the same area, you know, had the same background. And I got me one of those once, and it just didn't work out. We became friends. Yep. You know, and, and then I literally got a sponsor that walked me through the all 12 steps who was complete and polar opposite of me. And he's not talking about me. I was not ever my sponsor. <laughs> no, no. But he, this dude drank for five years. He, you know, dated the same woman since high school or maybe middle school. He was married. He, he drank for five years and, you know, and then he, he drank so bad that he eventually wanted to, you know, stick his head in the noose and it got that bad in yeah, five yeah. years. Right. Yep. But the thing about this guy is, is he, 
very smart. He was in, in college. He was getting ready to finish his uh, doctor's degree, become, I forget what he's going to become at this point. Um, very smart. Knew the 12 steps, you know, better than anybody I ever heard talk, but, and, and knew all the book. But the thing about this dude was, and he wore a button up shirt, clean cut, nice haircut, you know, just a nose tattoos. Just, right. But he had this presence on, like, Brian said the other day, he said, if you set this dude on fire, he would calmly walk to the sink, <laughs> okay. turn on the water, and put it out. You know, that's what I desire because yeah, I yeah. am I am wild at this point. Like, I'm, you know, you've seen me wild before. Like, I'm just, ah, you got to be loud. got to be, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, just completely obnoxious, really, if you want to break it down. Well, but, yeah, so when we so talk this about guy the was sponsors, the opposite. Yeah. You know, this guy was the opposite. He yep. was like calm, cool, collect. You couldn't rattle him if you tried. He didn't, We talked about this in the, in, the, in the show a couple shows ago when those people just got this exuberate this confidence yeah and if you called you know like i said if you lit him on fire he would just say and not even phasing i'll be right back i want that i'm gonna go put myself out real quick yeah you know what i mean yeah. it's like I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way but you make a good point like don't find a sponsor that's just going to give you what you want okay nah. we're very manipulative that's what that's what we specialize in as addicts is how to manipulate the situation and so you will do that for your own sobriety like i'm gonna find someone that will tell me what i want to hear and man, my first sponsor pissed me off so That's bad. That's what they're supposed to do. Oh man, I wanted to go back to California because, in reality, I was going to go do a little hustle so I'd come back with some more money. But I thought I had it under <laughs> you had control. A good plan. Yeah, a good right. Plan. Yeah. So he was like, you know, my brother wasn't going to let me go because he thought it was a bad idea. And then he was like, yeah, I, I agree. And I was like, who the what? Yeah, you're supposed to be on my side. I'm going to tell you this right now, guys. If your sponsor does, if you're not. If you don't put your sponsor in your four step, he's probably not doing his job. You know what I mean? Like he should be pissing you off. Yeah. He should be calling you out on your BS. <laughs> you know, that's most important. Cause we come in and we like I don't know about you, Brian, but I was so, so full of crap. Yep. There you go, Chris. So full of it. Didn't even know it. And I and he was always like, you know, he did it in such a manner though. But he would always call me out, and be like, "Man, what are you, what are you doing? Right? What are you up? What, what, what was that? Right? You said this at a meeting. That wasn't even true. Right? Like, ugh. oh yeah. So find a sponsor that 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 you can feel comfortable with, but isn't like you. And sure, and and you'll know it when you meet him or her. Make sure he has some years, or he or she has yeah. some years in recovery, and they've worked the program, and they've yeah. walked other three people through the program, and and he's a trustworthy guy or girl. Yeah. You know, it's very important. Absolutely. Number three. Number three is this is important for a lot of us because we spent so many years in recover or in addiction, and most of us got to the point where we was pretty much doing it by ourselves. Yep. Isolation. Don't do anything alone. Um. The good, the even in recovery, this is a you know, the the bad news is you can't do this by yourself, you can't, and the good news is you don't have to, right? But doing when you get an early recovery and say you got to go home to your your parents or your kids or a wedding or uh, anniversary or something, like mm-hmm. you don't want to do that by yourself you no, i took to- i took my sponsor to my brother's birthday party when i first got here because i knew there was going to be drinking and partying and people were going to be kind of letting loose and so i invited him because i lived there and so i was like i kind of need you to show up if you're comfortable with that or i need something else to do so we hung out together and just lived in the space and got real comfortable with where we were at and just had a good time but 
that was what it was. Like, you have to be willing to... This is where, like, they're going to look back at some of the other podcasts, and, and I encourage you to go find the one we talk about codependency, and they're like, that sounds kind of codependent. <laughs> I know. You There's know, a this big is a difference. Mess. This is a mess. There's a big difference between needing someone because you literally need to get to the other side because it's life or death and needing someone because you just need someone because you got personal problems that you're never going to not need someone. I don't need the same thing today, but in that moment I needed support. I needed someone else. I needed accountability. I needed someone to call me on my BS. I needed to get out of my own way because I really felt like I had everything under control. Right. I survived up to 37 years. Who, Who are you? My mom doesn't even tell me what to do anymore. Like, who are you to tell me what to do? I got this. And I realized real quick I was wrong. Yeah. Also, I needed somebody to help me form an exit plan if I got uncomfortable yeah. in situations too. Yep. You know, there was many times where I went out and did was in an environment or, you know, very early recovery, you know, my first 90 days or whatever, went to... A restaurant, which really was more of a bar, and they serve food, and and I got real uncomfortable in about ten minutes, um, and it's because people were drinking. You know, I don't know. I just I had to I had to I wisely I ended up walking out of there and getting my food to go. But like I I learned from that mistake. Like I need somebody with me that's gonna because I started thinking my brain starts thinking like I could watch people drink that's not a problem looking at alcohol on the table that wouldn't want a really a problem but when people started talking to me when they were drinking and they were like ah and they now were having social and they were having yeah. fun and I'm just like man and I'm just fit, sitting there and like and then it turns into the young couple like you want to drink I'm going to get one yeah and no like, there's all that yeah. but I, then I started thinking well if I had a couple of drinks this would feel a lot more comfortable right you know and then like, like the holy, I'm like, oh, yeah. my God, I got to get out of here. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm drinking a Red Bull thinking, man, if I put a little, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just a, just a splash and, of and I, could, I could get away with it. Yeah. too. And that's what our brain does. Our brain is is diseased. It's not, it, you know, it's, it's telling us that we can do this and this time would be different. Check your intentions at the door. Yeah. Let's get into the do's. Okay. These are important. Like, you know. I work a 12-step program, right? So I am a 12-step pro, step program kind of guy. I got a sponsor, got a sponsees, you know, all these different things throughout the years. And most importantly in the program, there's a step number one has three parts to it. Trust God or your higher power, whatever, yep. however you seem, whoever your higher power is. Look, man, the thing about higher power is, and a lot of us struggle with it, only thing you need to know about your higher power is that it's not you. You are not God. That's the only thing you need to understand. Yeah, we're not trying to get into, like, a biblical situation no. here. Like, I've already been very clear, like, my God is what I would call God from the Bible and, right. and what people would call religion, but I, I still have a different relationship with my God, and I don't, I don't care if your God is uh, the ocean. I don't care if your God is a tree. Right. I don't care. You just have to understand you are not in control of the situation. You have to give that up and allow whatever your higher power looks like. I mean, be reasonable. I had some people that were like, my higher power is like a doorknob. Celine Dion or whatever. I'm like, okay, now you're just being stupid. <laughs> like, I, my higher power. You're, you're praising heard, the wrong I, higher power there. So, look, G-O-D, <laughs> right? G-O-D, group of drunks. There you go. Right? Um, my higher power when I, when I was still actively using was, was the judge. 
he had more power than me. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and then I found a group of drunks and they, they, they all, that group all had way more power than me. And that was, that's all I needed at the yep. time. Like, this, like I just, I don't know what God is and I don't really, you know, I, I didn't really care at the time. And I, if I didn't care, it was probably towards the side of resentment, but I just knew that I wasn't it. Yep. And that's all I needed to start this program. So trust God, clean house, help others. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are the f- three requisites on part one. Trust God, clean house, help us. Clean house meaning you got to clean your side of the street. Yep. And you got to clean the, the, the underlining core stuff that I was talking about. And that's where my part of that number one is honesty. Man, I, I've said it before. I'm going to say it a million times. I'm going to live in this space because as uncomfortable and brutal it was at first, it is the most freeing thing in the world. And it's funny because like... Eminem and his movie Eight Mile, like people touch on these things, like what it looks like to just put it out there and let no one have power over that. That's true. Is being honest. You got to be honest with what you, what situation you're in right now. Nobody is trying to shame you for how you got there. I never woke up one day and went, I want to go be an addict today. So let's make that my life goal. Like that's not how it happened. So part of that 12 <laughs> steps is just live. You have to live in the most honest space you've ever been in and Surround yourself with people that make you feel comfortable doing that, and that'll change everything. Well, and let's get into step number two, uh, do number two, and that's how, right? So that's how. It's it's H-O-W, which is honesty, open-minded, and willing. And, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, honesty is step number one. It's the first step. It's the most important step. It's, it's being – because I could be honest with other people mm-hmm. a lot, but I can never be honest with myself. I yep. could, I, I've been lying to other people and myself mainly for so long. I didn't know what the truth was. I didn't know who I was. I had no idea who my authentic self was. Right. You know, and <clears throat> when you live in such a, like, you, I, I feel like I had to lie about, you know, you it just it's survival mode at that point. Yep. And everything you're doing is, is your brain is designed to survive. And when, if you have to lie, God, that's easy just to survive. Your brain is a survival and an efficiency model, so it's going to survive in the easiest way possible. And when just flat out lying about everything seems pretty easy to you, that's what you and end up it, doing. And it gets you what you want. Yeah. Most of the time. Right? So honesty, you got open-minded, so you got to be open-minded to be willing to, I'm sorry, I don't want to use that word. You got to be open-minded enough to say that what I'm doing in life is not working. I have to be open-minded enough to say, okay, I don't know what that is, but I know what I'm doing isn't working, so I'll try that. That's open-minded. Like, the, the, your your opinions or theories or whatever on God. Okay, like, we all have those, and a lot of us coming into addiction didn't, didn't use, a lot of us didn't have a great, uh, um, spiritual foundation well we just you know we might have been mad at god yeah, yeah a lot of us were mad you know if he if he exists in fm right you know that's kind of what we thought and uh so open mind to the fact that you know that maybe there's something out there higher and better and stronger and more powerful than me that higher power thought right absolutely open-minded just keep it to your core you know i've heard people say before don't become so don't become so open-minded that your brain falls out of your head like you got to be <laughs> open-minded enough to understand the things that are happening around you but don't allow it to dictate your life like take it in absorb it question it speak about it that's where the honesty comes from like if you have a question about something say something yeah. get into an uncomfortable conversation where you're like that doesn't make sense to me explain, explain it. it yeah 
Not that this isn't about right or wrong. I just need a better explanation because in my head right now, it's not making sense. And if I can't make sense of it, I need clear instructions. So right now the instructions are in Chinese and I need something more Japanese, like I, whatever that looks like. Right. <laughs> Have you ever seen Japanese writing? Oh my God. <laughs> so the third part, there's a lot of parts to these, this, yeah. this do's, but the third part is the, the, the W which is willingness. And that's complete and utter willingness to do whatever it takes to get you to wherever you want to be. Treat your sobriety like you treated your addiction. Because, mm. man, I would do some crazy stuff to get dope. <laughs> I mean, I would I, I would drive with half the wheels aired up and the I, other half completely flat and just cruising down the street. But I had my, my bifocals on so the cops wouldn't know that I was getting drugs at 3 in the morning in a hoopty. <laughs> I, I've literally, oh, I, I've walked miles and mm-hmm. miles for, I had 10, Uphill in the snow both ways. I, I, wrecked, <laughs> I, I hit a deer doing 70 mile an hour on the way to the dope house, which the dope house was from, from Cuga, in, Cuga, Indiana to Danville, Illinois. So it's about a 30 minute drive, a 40 minute drive. And I smashed a deer at 70 mile an hour and walked the rest of the way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and got my dope and then tried to figure out how I was going to say what, what happened to my car. You know, like I left it. If you were like, somebody stole it, <laughs> I, if I was willing to lay in the carpet and dig through the carpet for five hours smoking salt because uh, I thought that it was something else, drywall, <laughs> drywall chunks, yeah. yeah. Like you, you have to be that willing to chase your sobriety. Meaning, you will sit in the carpet and and listen to a suggestion and be uncomfortable and be okay with where you're at and be willing to. Not take control. That's the hardest part about willingness is you have to give up your control. Well, a lot of us do that. We'll give up our control. We'll lay the sword down. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, two days later, a week later, a month later, we're trying to pick that sword back right. up and, and take control over things again. And and that's, that's you know, that's it's ego a lot. And then we just get so wrapped up in life and then we're trying to take control over again when really... All we got to do is sometimes is just sit back and breathe and allow Because that's one of the things, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous has taught me is I, the ability to just sit back and allow you to be wrong and not have to fuck, not, not be here and just like pushing you to tell you. Well, I used to tell people they were wrong. You know, if somebody was wrong, I made it a point to make sure that I, I had to, like it's something inside me. I had to make sure you knew that yep. you were wrong. But not only that, I had to make sure everybody else in the room knew that you were wrong too. Right. You know, and that's nothing but ego, and that's my, you know, my self worth issues. You know, I, I feel inadequate, so I got to make sure that I'm on, I'm superior. You know, and really, A has taught me how to listen. A has taught me how not to respond, how to respond properly, and not to respond, which is just yeah, two ears and one mouth for a reason. But listen how? You speak honesty, open minded, and willing, and. It's, it's, you know, number three on the do's is definitely, and this is important for a lot of people because, you know, a lot of people, you know, they talk about family and, you know, people, places, and things in early recovery have to be, it's a half, it's a have to, have to be changed. You know I mean? You cannot hang out in it. You, you cannot hang out with a bunch of negative parasitic people and expect not to be that way. Right. You cannot hang out in a barbershop and expect not to get a haircut. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just the people that you sur- show me your five friends and I will show you your future. That's Absolutely. the most powerful thing I've ever heard. And I've used it ever since. And I really, when I first heard it, you know, I heard it in a meeting. And of course I take defense to that because I'm a defensive kind of guy because I have no, 
self-worth right <laughs> gotcha. so you hung out with all you come in this meeting and you talk all this good and then you're right back out there and five minutes later talking all that slap rapping with those other little thug you know and i'm just like he said you show me your five friends and i'll show you your future and i was just like man what the you know you and then i really sit down and started thinking about that i started thinking about my five closest friends and i was like holy they're all felons most of them don't have a job. Yep. They're in and out of relationships, toxic relationships. They're in and out of jail and, and prison. And like none of them, none of them's got any careers or money in the bank or a bank account or life insurance or health insurance. I'm like, oh man, this guy's on to something. It's a tricky road. And man. that's the open mindedness that it it's, started to work. It's that tricky road and slippery slope. Cause the first year is, I, I told all the people that I sponsor, like the first year is all about you. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, when you were saying to yourself, well, I would like to have a girlfriend. If it's all about me, then that's what I want to do. Or a boyfriend, you know, my sponsors were all bullied men, so I couldn't sponsor one. But you know what I mean? Like they're thinking, well, that's what I want. And if it's all about me, then that's, that's, you're completely, you're manipulating yourself now at this point to now get what you want instead of focus on what you actually need right now. And that is some time to yourself because the reason you started picking up drugs because you couldn't handle what was going on in your head. Mm. You couldn't handle the emotions, the feelings, the trauma, whatever was happening, you could not handle, and that's okay. Now's the time to learn and grow. And now's the time when you're surrounded by people who, when you fall, will get down there with you, yeah. let you lay there for a minute, and then help you get back up. That's what you need. Yeah. And that is not going to come from a significant other because emotions take everything out of the equation in reality because love and sex and all these things will make you do weird things weird i like how i said that <laughs> let's just be honest sex will make you do weird things <laughs> with your partner sometimes well, yeah without them too you know it's so- just like that first year is just so important in in the personal growth like that is the one time in your life when selfish really comes into that's, play they say that too and that's one of the things i didn't understand when i first started hearing it was like it's you know this is a selfish program mm-hmm. right and that's what it means is like it doesn't mean i'm going to be like selfish to everybody and, and you know this is all mine everything's mine it's no no you need to take that time you need to take that time and disconnect from your family from your loved ones from your children even and this punches mm-hmm. people in the gut every time i say it. your kids don't need you in your life right now they haven't had you for five years right they haven't had you for 10 years like take some time so that when you do get them back in your life one you might keep them in your life two yeah. you'll be healthy enough mentally physically emotionally enough to actually be a good you know a good uh, father a good mother you know because that's that's something we hear all the time i can't leave my kids i can't leave my kids I, you know i'm like girl you was just you just overdosed in the bathroom at when your kids were out playing and eating ramen noodles in the kitchen yeah no i think they're fine i can't leave my family or you know we got christmas coming up next week they don't need you absolutely pass nod now in the mashed potatoes you know, they don't need that. Your kids Holy don't need crap. to see that. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Like, take the time and disconnect from people, places, and things. The people that you ran with, the I don't family members, children, all that. Take some time. Disconnect from the people, the places that you used to go, that you can't go there no more. It's over. Let's move away. Let's. I don't know what it looks like. Maybe that you got high at your job every day for the last 10 years. Okay, maybe it's time to get a new job at this point. Now is the time I, to change your life because what, what you were doing is what got you here. Yeah. And if you don't change what you were doing, you're going to end up back in the same spot. The only thing that I changed in my recovery, in my life, was everything. 
<laughs> it's everything. Well, it's funny because I just Googled something because when you, when, you, when you go into like mastery classes and you go into training and development and all these things, the, the typical psychological realm is 10,000 hours is what it takes to master something. And there's 8,760 hours in a year. Okay. So you need that year and you still haven't mastered what you need to, but you're headed in the right direction now. Yeah. And if you really listen to what we're saying right now and you really take this to heart outside of that first year, you are going to now have retrained your unconscious. You're now going to have a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new way of processing a, a new respect for life and love and the things around you. And if you want to feel something life changing, Spend a year to yourself. Surround yourself with others. I'm not saying lock yourself in a closet. But when you really focus on just yourself Mm. for a solid year, that starts the momentum. Not six months, by the way. No, I'm talking a year is still, I feel, not enough time. but, But I feel like if you can get to that year mark, what you do after that will kind of be more of like a, now we're in cruise control. I think once you get that year mark too, you'll be like, you know what? I'm good. Right. I don't I don't need that now. Right. I don't want that. I don't, I'm not searching for that. But you have to follow the process. You have to listen and again, we're not we're saying this is two people that have done it and gone through it and have, have, have taken our personal experience and sharing our mistakes and and the things afterwards and what helped and hoping that somebody will listen. And if it's just one of you, that's fine by me because one is enough. That's it. It's it's so important to not rush the process, and we talked about that, and like not rushing the process, and that's something that I know you do it. I know you do it absolutely. I've done it. I've continued to do it. I, I want everything. You know, we as addicts and alcoholics, I still fight it today. We we as addicts and alcoholics want everything yesterday. We bought the property, and I was like, build. <laughs> She's like, I ain't even signed the deed yet. <laughs> it's gonna take at least five years. I was like, nah, I'll get it done tomorrow. <laughs> And that's, that's, that's our nature, man. But when it comes to recovery, man, take the time and take the time and, and spend some time with yourself by yourself, Yeah, you know, and I, surround yourself with good people. Your life will change forever. That's the most important thing. Guaranteed. Ever. So guys, I hope this helps out. And if, if you're struggling, reach out. I mean, I, I really am, am going to put out a call to action. Like we posted a number on one of the on episodes. Of them, yeah. Like, call, reach out. If it's not you, if it's somebody else, like, you, we need to take action because America is struggling and it's only getting worse. And we're watching our friends, our, our relatives, our loved ones, our, our friends of friends die. We're watching so many people get literally their lives traumatized by something that is very fixable. I suffer from, I suffer from a disease with no known cure. Right, but I, I, it's the same disease that has a solution. So, while he is correct, like this is we are watching. I literally have lost all of my all of my high school friends. Mm-hmm. Everybody I know, like so many people in my life, that has been in my life through over the years is, is dead from this disease of addiction and fentanyl overdoses and all these different things and you know everything related to drugs and alcohol. And that's why a lot of why what I do is is it's my passion it's my purpose in life and that's why chris is going to put the number right down there or up there right there chris oh, <laughs> we're testing <laughs> the editing skills of chris chase it chris all around my finger. off the cob but yeah guys so if you guys if you are a loved one who's struggling with alcohol or, or addiction of any sort you guys can reach out to us you can reach out to talk hard fans podcast or what is it i'm sorry <laughs> edit that out chris fans at talkhardfans.com 
bam, you can reach out there or the number up above, guys. We will help you or your loved one find the solutions they need. I'm checking it regularly. Like, we will respond back. We will get you the help you need. You will not be ignored. Um, this comes from a genuine place in our heart. Like, we really want to start more of what is already going on with the movement and what Marty and his team have done and what, what the recovery community is really trying to do now because it has become a more powerful movement than I've ever seen. Yeah. But we are barely scratching the surface. Yes, sir. And we yes, need sir. soldiers on the ground. Yes. So I need people to get out there and start talking and start making some moves because we cannot do this alone. That's how we got into this was not alone. And we need to keep going together. Community. I love you, bro. <laughs> I love you too. Man. All right, guys. Like, if you know anybody may need to see this video, why don't you share this over to them Absolutely. right now? Like and subscribe. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.